Welcome to episode four of the Holistic Musicianship Podcast with professional violist Shelley Holland Moritz. Hello there, musical friends. Today I'll be interviewing Shelley Holland Moritz, a professional violist who went to Juilliard before I was even born. So she has a vast amount of musical experience and wisdom to offer us today. Shelley's particularly passionate about the connection between music and nature, a subject we'll be speaking about a lot today. We'll also explore working with perfectionism in a healthy way and tapping into the deeper reasons for why we play music. We'll also examine something that is currently widespread in the professional musician community, using beta blockers for performance anxiety. Shelley will share her experience with them and some great tools for holistically working through these anxieties. Shelley got her bachelor's and master's degrees at Juilliard and has enjoyed a career as a member of several New York orchestras, including the American Symphony, the Opera Orchestra of New York, the Stamford Symphony, EOS Chamber Orchestra, and Voices of Ascension. She's performed at many summer festivals, including the Bard Festival, OK Mozart, and Mostly Mozart, and she's also been a member of several Broadway shows. Shelley's also spent the last two summers performing at Schloss Weinberg, a 13th century castle in Austria, for the International Chamber Music Festival. Sounds pretty magical. So here we go. Well, hi there, Shelly. Thank you so much for being here today. really appreciate you giving the time. Why don't we begin with, if you can describe the feeling of connection that you have with music? Well, when I was really little, like maybe four, my father built us a turntable out of an orange crate. And we weren't supposed to use their records, but... I usually sneaked them when no one was looking or no one was around and I put one on. And I happened to, the first record I put on was Beethoven Pastoral Symphony. And I can't describe the feeling I had. It was like, I can't believe this exists. I can't believe Mm. it. And I think it's funny that I happened to choose that particular album i think i chose it because it has a picture of trees on the on the cover but i also at the same age had a special tree that i was really really connected with that i would go i mean those were the days it's really different now but those were the days when i could walk into the woods by myself even when i was four nobody really it wasn't a big deal and i had this special tree And I just felt like that music was all I was feeling about this tree. Mm. And I think that was kind of the start of me. I mean, that was sort of the same age where I felt really awakened to, to nature. And music seemed to go hand in hand with nature to me. Can you say a little bit more about that? This nature and music really being connected in some way, going hand in hand together? Well, 
nature to me is something that you can't, it's so grand and it's very hard to express in words the feeling that you get, like when you walk into the woods, the feeling of grandeur of we're all so connected. Everything is so connected. And music, it's hard to use words, at least for me, about nature. And it's also hard to use words about music because it isn't about words at all. And I think always as a music student, I was always so suspect about the descriptions of pieces, like the descriptions of emotions of pieces. Like it's so personal. It's so not about this is what happens here and this is what happens here. And then the A section and the B section. It's really, for me at least, it's really not about that. And it's really different from that. So. Mm. And, and what is that like for you as you play music, as you experience? So that was you listening to music as a little child, feeling that connection to the, the universe and all things. What's it like for when you play, when you're playing music? Well, that's with the problem area. Because, I mean, I'm looking for a certain thing, but the certain thing that I'm looking for is not necessarily what everyone around me is looking for. And then it seems like it gets really complicated. Like I, you know, I probably spent the last 45 years or whatever kind of boxing in my emotions and just playing the way I thought everyone wanted me to play. Hmm. And... I'm just starting to really explore really how my original conception of music hasn't changed at all. And I'm just starting to go back to what that was and allowing myself to experience that. Mm. And what is that? What is that thing that you're starting to experience more and more of allowing yourself to get back to my own personal connection with music, my, the spirituality, the, the wholeness, the connection to nature, which up until recently, fairly recently, felt like I just wasn't allowed to go there. But now I am going there. And it feels like coming home. I mean, it feels like it feels so different than the way I was relating to music professionally in the last, you know, 20, 25 years or so. Hmm. And so like you're in this professional world where you felt for so many years, like you haven't been able to really allow yourself to connect into that energy. And as you are starting to let yourself go there more and more, um, are you finding that it is accepted in the professional world? Is it, are you getting some backlash? What is that like for you? It's, it's a tricky question because <laughs> In an orchestra, probably no one is going to call you out on much of anything. So it's hard to know. Sometimes I felt like I just did a series of concerts last weekend where I wondered, am I taking this out a little too much? I was just enjoying it so much. You know, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to know. I, I, I want to keep going in that direction because for me, it's so rewarding. and. I don't know. It feels very risky in a way, but right now where I am now, I feel like compelled to go in that direction. I feel like maybe someone will pick up. I mean, it seemed like some people around me were sort of picking up on that energy 
but no, I don't know. It's kind of scary. What feels risky about it? Am I blending? You know, everything is blending into the section because I'm a section player. And I don't think I stuck out exactly, but you have to blend in. You can't really just do your own thing in a section. You, You can't, but then I just wanted that feeling to be there for me. And I think, in the past couple of weeks, I was really able to do that. And I hope it wasn't, it's still at the point where it feels like, is this over the top? You know, is this a little too much of my own personality in there? Mm. And yet it, you you seem to say that you felt like it was kind of emanating out and that some of the other people around you were, were picking up on it and feeding off of it in a positive way. It did feel that way. It, yeah, it felt that way to me. Very interesting. Would you say that like professional orchestra situations, I can understand because it seems like a lot of times the intention is like, you know, the pristineness of the piece um, and perhaps not as so much about, I don't know, maybe I'd be curious your thoughts about it. Is it about more about the pristineness of the piece than about the like expression of the piece or ideally you're looking for both or what have you found? Ideally, you're looking for both, in my opinion, but I do think that, I mean, this may be part of the problem with how orchestras are suffering today with lack of support, uh, lack of audiences and stuff. There was a time when I was a student at Juilliard, was right kind of felt like at the cusp where before that, you were kind of allowed to move as you play. And then kind of suddenly, right when I became a student, which was in the middle late 70s you weren't allowed to move at all at Mm. all and i understand distracting but then if you imagine the audience going to hear this performance where no one is allowed to move at all and you're you know you're playing this beautiful music and you're not you can't distract you're all in black you can't distract nothing can be distracting to the music it it feels it can feel very wooden to me. It can feel very like, wait a minute. And it is, you know, it's totally, it's totally possible to play emotionally or expressively without moving your body. But I think it's so unnatural and it's not like you have to move a lot, but to just flow into the current and to prohibit yourself from doing that is just like, I don't know. I, I guess that's the other piece for me is, is movement. I, I really feel movement is so necessary that when I teach little kids in a group, I often have them moving. I often have them walking while they play or something because it's, it's part of that expression and to be forced, I think maybe even especially if you're a young child, to be forced to stay so rigidly is uh, prohibiting you from expressing what's natural. And I mean, for me, it's a connection for na- with nature. I don't know. No one talks about it. I've never had this conversation with anyone ever, except for the person I've been coaching with recently. But uh, maybe it's totally different for other professional musicians. Maybe they're, they're connecting, they're feeding off of something else. But for me... It is definitely nature. It's the bigger picture. It's the whole of humanity. 
I think that's really beautiful. I think I think that there's actually a lot of musicians out there who really yearn for that experience. Maybe they've they've tasted it a few times, but like um, because it's not spoken about that much, and because there's not very many models of like a way of working that is more holistically connected or connecting more to that flow or that the natural aspect of the musicianship that a lot of musicians feel very cut off and rigid with their music. Um, what advice would you give to help musicians start to find a little bit more of that open channel for themselves? It's pretty new for me to allow myself to not, to not start a practice session with scales, arpeggios, etude. You know, it's so, it's so ingrained from being a student that you have to do all these things. And for me, if, I mean, I think for many people, probably, if your time is very limited, which seems like everybody's time is limited, that's the end of your practice session. Scales and arpeggios and etudes and whoops, it's time to go. Or, or if you're preparing a program, then it becomes, oh my God, I have to learn these passages. Preparing this, cramming this, cramming that, time to go. And I don't know, a few weeks ago, I just took out my viola and played through an early Baroque concerto that I happened to have on my stand. And I played through the entire thing, and it, I allowed myself to play some music. That felt like, whoa. When I just played for my own pleasure and for my own connection, and I think giving yourself time every day or every every practice session to play anything express yourself noodle around on your instrument to find that sound that attracted you to begin with because i'm assuming that for i mean for me certainly it was the act of creating the sound find that sound again take the time just give yourself permission to just find it and just experiment and also for me, going outside is hugely helpful. Getting my boat, going into the woods, one of those things. If I can do it, I can't always do it. I often can't do it. But even imagining it is helpful. Beautiful. Wow, beautiful. I think that there is a sense of this uh, that a lot of musicians end up having of if, where it's not so much playing music. It sort of becomes like working music. And that it loses that like that playful, exploratory, childlike connection of, of exploration and fun with it and, and becomes much more of this rigorous kind of oftentimes task mastery, like you need to do this, sit down and get the practice in and this and that. And we lose track that, uh, that it's called playing music. Yeah. I think it's very difficult, at least for me, to break out of that mechanical mode because there are you know certain mechanics involved but if you don't allow yourself to breaking out experimenting as you said i mean some of my best times with my instruments have been when i actually imagined over the door to my practice room experimental laboratory a sign mm. and just allowed myself to to let go of all the ingrained kind of rigidity that, I mean, anyone who's a professional musician has been subjected to a ton of rigidity because there's, 
you know, learning your instrument to that degree, to that level, takes a lot of that kind of nitpicking work. I mean, there's sort of no way around that kind of work. But even if, you know, someone my age has done a lot of that nitpicking work, and it almost feels like, okay, I'm ready to play now. I'm ready to let go. But I'm assuming, I don't know how people, uh, you know, a few generations younger than me, maybe they're being trained. I know Juilliard is totally different now than it was when I went in. You know, I think there's a lot more awareness of this for that age group. I'm not sure, but um, I think my age group in particular is really got regimented. You know, you have to work on, on breaking out of it because if we're producing that kind of music, no audience is going to want to hear it, you Mm. know? Yeah. I I definitely have noticed in myself in particular that like when I'm really rigid in myself and like really just so hyper-focused on just play the notes, right. All of that magic and like fluidity and breath in the music kind of gets sapped like it's just not present it's not capable of being present because i'm just in total lockdown mode and not able to let the music vibrate through me and in emote from myself and i don't think i'm alone in saying that lockdown mode what you just said is how many orchestras operate at least you know for the freelance scene we're thrown music with um that we have to prepare in a day or two so wow. it becomes really like that, focus on, you know, what is hard, prepare it to the best of your ability. So maybe it's worse for a freelance musician than a, a regular orchestral musician who, who knows what the program is going to be a year in advance and who has a stack of music. I have to learn this. This is my job, but I can also do this. So maybe it's, it's worse for freelance musicians. I'm not sure. But lockdown mode is a good way to put it because it often often feels like that uh, hmm. so I'm, I'm curious about because you are a professional musician and you have like these uh challenges that you have to like show up to with like getting the music a few days before having to perform it and this and that and also you're giving yourselves up your self opportunities to flow with the music and let go with the music and work towards letting some of that rigidity fall away so i wonder if you could share with us uh what and really good or ideal practice session for you looks like? Well, I, I should preface this by saying that my older sister, um, where I grew up in Michigan, we started, we chose an instrument in fifth grade. And so she was two years older than me. So she had already started playing cello, which was her instrument. And she was a kind of person from pretty much as soon as she got advanced enough to to be able to create four hours of practice it was four hours of practice every day there's no way i can do that i always felt um i always i felt like i always had focusing issues i think if there were an add diagnosis available then i probably would have fit the criteria uh but i couldn't practice like that and so i've spent a lot of my all the way up through Juilliard, wondering why I couldn't practice like everybody else, or I perceived everyone else uh, practicing. But lately, 
I've, I've just started allowing myself more freedom in my practice session. I, I should also say that it always felt like I never, I never could achieve learning a passage really fast. But it seems like since I've let go of this, or I'm trying to let go of this rigidity, like over the weekend I had a program that was really difficult, and I had been preparing another program for the week before that all week, so I didn't even really look at the music very much, and I just kind of showed up, and whoa, it was really hard. But, you know, I've always sort of had this myth about myself that I can't learn something in a few days. But I did one of like maybe an hour and a half session of just pinpointing what was difficult, practicing it slowly. And it, it, it did make an enormous difference. So I think one piece of advice is let go of, just let go. See what you need to learn a passage. It might be totally different than what other people need. And you might, have created many myths about yourself, which this is what I'm finding out, that you could, you know, if you're in an experimental mode, drop the myth. Just take a fresh look at how else could I learn this passage really quickly? What could I do? It's actually a much more fun way to practice, too. And I did want to say, back to the focusing, which has been a real bugaboo for me, my coach we were identifying what, what things in nature, what things, experiences, could I talk about any experience in nature that stuck out, stuck out? And I was remembering being with my family, picking raspberries in an enormous, enormous raspberry field. Raspberry bushes as far as I could see in all directions. And it was really hot, like probably, you know, early September, late August. And besides raspberries, the field was full of bees. And somehow I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't worried at all about the bees. I was listening to the bees and the bees had this incredible hum. Like it was just, it wasn't loud. It was underlying hum, but it was, it so connected me to the universe. It's so, it was just like this, I mean, it was almost like an ohm sound, like it was just like. Mm-hmm. So my coach was saying a long time ago, or a while ago, when you start feeling like you're hyper-focusing on being perfect, which is often the case, go to the bees, go to the sound of the bees. And that's one of my coping things of we're all trained that everything has to be perfect. And if you go into your practice session or especially your group performance where you're feeling like, Oh my God, I can't make a mistake. And for me, if I go to that sound, it just helps me not, not focus on being perfect, not focus on my own little part focus on the universal on the music itself instead of on that little like oh my god am I going to make this shift am I going to play this right am I going to come in right blah 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 so even in a practice session you know you have to do a certain amount of cleanup work but then let go and just play 
Yeah, I've noticed with uh, my students, absolutely, that so many people, when they're so hyper-focused on that perfectionism, hitting all the notes properly, as soon as you get them to maybe focus on their breath or something else that just like is not so about the the hyper-focus on the fingers or just doing it perfectly, they oftentimes start playing it so, so much better and it starts to really flow for them. And they get it. It's like we get in our own way by trying so hard. Definitely. And I think that's sort of like trying to find the balance in that, like having to gone to a very competitive school where it really would feel like you, you cannot make a mistake. You cannot. And, you know, this is my own experience as even as a section player, but for example, my husband who plays trombone and mostly plays principal trombone it's only him. So if you do make a mistake, you know, for me, I'm in the section. It feels like the end of the world, you know? So it is trying to like balance it out between, yes, I, I don't want to make mistakes, but yes, I'm a musician for a reason. And the reason isn't being perfect. <laughs> the reason is just the connection that I feel when I create sound that blends in with the bigger picture, the universe. Mm, beautifully said. I agree with you. I agree with you for myself as well. Mm-hmm. I know that one of the most common things here is performance anxiety and how there is that tendency to really want to be perfect and all of these anxieties that come up around performing and, and having to be in front of an audience. Can you share a little bit about your experience uh, working with performance anxiety? It's an interesting question, and I think, you know, I've just sort of been trying to connect certain things in my mind recently, like very recently, that I grew up with my instrument thinking I didn't know how to practice, I didn't know how to focus, because, mostly because when I took my instrument, when I had to play by myself, in a, you know, in a performance of any kind, I fell apart. I basically always fell apart. Comparing myself to my sister who never fell apart. It was like, I must be practicing wrong. She's practicing this way. I'm practicing that way. And I can't do it. I just can't do it. And so somehow, but this is the curious like thing to me. How did I get into Juilliard? There was no Enderall then. Hmm. <laughs> But I did. So I must have somehow, I don't know. It's a big blank because as soon as that drug came out and, you know, my teacher at Juilliard used to say, geez, I wish I could just give you a shot of something because mm. I hear when you play and then I see what happens when you're playing for a master class or whatever. But no one was using beta blockers then. Then after I graduated, beta blockers became available and I became pretty reliant on anything I perceived as a pressure situation. Um, I would take, I mean, I, I never, I always took a small amount, you know, very small amount. Was, I found out later that some people are taking large amounts and, you know, I was taking the smallest pills. Sometimes I was taking half of the smallest dose. Uh, but I became like, I had to make sure that that 
container of Enderol was somewhere very close to me if I was in a situation where I was feeling scared. Lately, I haven't taken it in a while, and lately I've just been... The last several concerts I've played, I've just so, felt like so excited to be playing that music. And it has been, I felt like, okay, the trade-off is I can take it. I won't, I won't be visibly nervous. I want my bow won't shake or anything. My bow shaking hasn't happened in a long time, but I'll be able to focus better because I won't have that anxiety or the choices are I could do that. Or I could risk maybe getting carried away by my own hyper-focus if I went in that direction. But I could also give myself the chance to really be involved in the music, to really be fully there in the music. So lately, and this is kind of new for me, it was more important to be fully involved in the music than it was to risk not playing perfectly. Mm. So I've gone in that direction, and I have to say, it's been so much more fun. So, so, so much more fun. Mm. And I haven't played perfectly, but I've felt this music is so incredible, and I'm a part of it. I'm right in it, right there. Interesting. So you find that, like, whereas the beta blockers, they help with the nerves and to play a little more perfectly, like, you know, the way that it's written but they take away, they, there's a, they draw away from your experience of connecting to the music in that way that you love so much. Yeah, and I think maybe, I'm not sure if, if someone was in the audience, I mean, if I was playing a solo, would they go, oh, she must be on beta blockers because it's too, you know, I'm not sure anybody would know. And sometimes in the past, it's worked the other, ways, other way because I was so hyper-focused on the perfectionism that at least I was able to express if I took the beta blocker, I was able to let go a little bit of the hyper-focusness and play. So it maybe sounded better if I took it. Now I think I've never tried to record myself, but maybe if I recorded myself, I, w- I personally, I'm sure would hear the difference. Mm. And that it certainly feels considerably different to actually feel yourself the fun of really connecting in with the music in this way, letting yourself go there. It's so much more fun. Interesting. I think that's a, I really appreciate you sharing about it because I think there's a lot of musicians out there who are kind of in this dilemma for themselves, uh, feeling like they need to get, have some support and getting to be able to just play well enough to where they want to be. But to feel something maybe is taken away from the experience and that maybe there is another option. It seems like you're starting to ex- experiment with what happens if I explore it in this, uh, this other way, what would, what's advice that you would give to somebody who maybe wants to try exploring more without the need of, uh, without always taking the beta blockers, but to still be able to show up to the performance. I would, I, what's helping me because I have a lot of, like I said, focusing issues. I feel like, I've been doing this short, very short daily meditation. It really helps me to be able to switch the focus from perfectionism to only the music, only just being there. Mm. That's the thing that's helping me the most right now. And uh, the meditation is showing me that 
I am able, although not consistently, not for a long time, but I am able to really access stopping the dialogue. And I think musicians, I mean, part of, unfortunately, what we do to prepare is we have to be hypercritical of our, of ourself. You know, we're brought up to like, listen to that. Is, is that what notes out of tune? What mm-hmm. notes is this much out of, you know, is anything, you know, you're just, you're just so trained to be so hyper-focused on every imperfection that then when you go out there, it's very hard to let that go. And I think maybe in your, if you use your own practice session at home for letting go, playing, just play, 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 no judgment, no anything, play, you'll be, it will be easier when you get to a situation with maybe, I mean, maybe start small with something that's not so high pressure to to say, I want to be in the music. I want to be in there. I don't want to take anything away. I want to be mm. in there. So, and I think maybe little doses or maybe even, you know, I, I mean, just this just came to mind, which is going to sound really weird, but I tell my students to set up an audience of their stuffed animals. Mm-hmm. Obviously my students are little and play for them. But even something like that, if you have a stuffed animal or anything, you know, play for that, play for that and just play because we need to, or I, but probably we need to get back to why we love music, why we love playing our instruments and allow ourselves to make mistakes, allow ourselves to, to not be perfect, but be in there. Beautifully said. Yeah. So I wonder if, you'd be open to sharing with us one of your most meaningful musical experiences. It's funny. I, I play a chamber music festival in Austria and this is my second year of doing it in the summer. And I was paired with a, a good friend of mine. There are not there are only three Americans there I think this year. Uh, I was, I happened to be paired with one of them who I know forever, but I haven't re- really ever played with. And she's used to coaching young string quartets. So she was kind of, we were working together. Um, and she was just kind of like talking about how this Mozart quartet we were playing was very operatic and who would this character be? And who, who would this, and while we, while she was doing that, I was kind of thinking like, we're not students. This is kind of like over the top. But when we got to the performance, I really had in the back of my mind, what is the viola? What am I saying here? What? Like, what's my character? And I really felt like it was almost like I was, I was taken over by the character um, of what I was expressing in this quartet. And I, I really, it was totally... I mean, fun is kind of like the wrong word. It was a very different quartet experience than I ever had, really. I felt like I was Mozart's voice right then. I was really saying, you know, I was really saying the music. And I wondered, like, later, when I was sort of thinking about it a little bit, I wondered, like, was this too much? Was I too... 
you know, was I taking over? Was I like, but I felt like this character had so much to say and I wanted to say it. So I don't know, but it was a really cool musical experience for me. So. Sounds like there was like a personification in the music that there was this character, this voice that was being expressed through you and through your instrument. Well, I love opera and thinking of this movement of this quartet as operatic really spoke to me. And the end, although, like I said, at the beginning, I was kind of like, wait a minute. I don't want to be told what to do. Um, And I felt like it was very operatic. Interesting. Uh, So your first thought was actually, I don't want to have to do that. And then as you did, like, let yourself go and give over into it, actually something came through that you didn't expect that was that you found to be amazing i hadn't planned it i didn't practice it that way it just was a spur of the moment thing that just kind of happened wow i was thinking about i was thinking about opera you know and like how much i you know i don't and mozart was such an amazing operatic writer you know beautiful um and it, it sounds like you were really able that like really <clears throat> experiencing the whole of the music that you've talked about that you really w- call for for yourself it sounds like in that moment you were able to really discover that yeah. enter into that and the weird thing i guess again was that it was unplanned it was unpracticed and it was the outcome was different than i imagined you know hmm. it was like that very spontaneous sort of thing but you were open. You didn't. You, you were open to allowing that to come through in the moment. There wasn't that rigidity that we talked about earlier. You were really. You let it come through. Yeah. Well, I mean, that happens when I really love a piece. Really love it. That can happen. I mean, I can't think of something that I don't really love, but I really and truly love this particular once a quartet. So. Mm. Uh, Amazing. Just as a final question for concluding, I, I you know, I, I'm so, uh, I just love how connected you are with the music, Shelly, and how that's such a, a passion for you. And I can feel like a sense of like what, what it's been for you just from getting to hear you speak about it. So I'm curious about what you feel is the value of music for the, the world. I think the arts, I mean, I think the things that we can express in words are our primordial part of our ourselves i went to you know i grew up in michigan and i went to interlocking there's the auditorium there had a big on the back of the auditorium were the words music is the universal language which i guess everybody's heard but it really is i really feel like it is i feel like everyone understands it even everyone everyone's body reacts to it you know, mm. and I think particularly in this country right now, we are so closed off from that connectedness. And it feels like there's no pleasure anywhere. It feels like that to me. It feels like there's no allowing anything. Everything feels so rigid right now. And so confined and people's emotions so confined. And, you know, I would like to have a way of, of sharing. And when I went to Austria, my husband and I and this other cellist from the festival went to this open door day. And 
Open Door Day there happens once a year. You have to get tickets, but it's by lottery. And basically, they're gone. The second they're out, they're gone. The doors open to the Vienna State Opera House. And the public walks in. I have, like, videos of this. My friend who plays in the opera, we got up to the highest balcony to watch this happening. There's a grand staircase. And the brass section of the state opera is on the second balcony to the staircase playing this fanfare from Lohengrin. And it sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. And the audience is walking in, and it's as if they're royalty. They're walking into this incredible music, and they're going up the stairs. And the entire opera house is open to the public, every bit of it, so that you can wander around. You can try on all the costumes. They have billions of costumes there. You can walk around in the costumes with makeup on. You can watch the string section is on the lobby playing Peter and the Wolf for the kids. Just, you know, interactive stuff. You can go to watch the dancers rehearse in the dance studio you can watch the children's chorus rehearse. They have tables of all these scores, the original scores. And all I'm thinking is, in the Met, if you go to hear a performance, you have to be x-rayed to get in. You have to open up, you know. this. There's tables of scores from the 1800s, original Wagner scores, uh, string parts that are like this thick. Because it's all handwritten to Wagner operas, you can leave through them. You can look through anything. They, oh, you can go on stage and the stagehands are there showing you how they do special effects. And you can see all these characters are walking around in costume. You can the kids talking to all these characters. You can look down under the stage. There's a glass thing. You can see all the levels down there. Um, you're uh, just totally a part of this incredible institution. At the end, there's this performance they do things like they had the children's chorus from Carmen. They had a rehearsal on stage. You watch the rehearsal. Everybody left. Then they staged the same scene, you know, completely staged. So you saw, oh, this is how we rehearse. And this is what happens when we perform. They had, they turned on the mics that are from the stage manager, the stage director, to the conductor, to the lead singers. So you could hear like, oh, you have to be here, move over to this. You have to da 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 so this experience, like this, I think, something like that, that involves people to the nitty gritty of, this isn't a mystery how this pristine opera works. This is a nitty gritty to like what we do every day and how we make this come together to do this. That experience to me was so mind blowing. And so like, that's part of like, it doesn't have to be perfect. We have to put it together. You know, we have to, it's a process. It's not like open the curtain and perfection. And all I thought was the people that were there at that performance, at that whole day, those kids are going to beg to go to the opera because it was magical. The whole thing was magical. And you could feel, you could feel the audience was just like, oh my God, you know, everyone. So that's, you know, I think that's kind of, a way music can bring everyone together and show beauty and show connectedness, which everybody desperately needs, I think. So mm. beautiful. Thank you for sharing and painting that picture so vividly for us. It's, it's a beautiful way to leave the listener with that image, that beautiful image of the connectivity of music in their minds. 
So Shelly, thank you so much. This has been just amazing to have you um, and hear your thoughts and your just years of wisdom and just the depths which with, with which you experience music. Thank you for sharing with us. Yeah, it's, it's helpful to talk about it. So thank you for asking me. Well, that's it for today's interview. Since speaking with Shelly, I've been taking so many of her tips to heart. I really have a perfectionistic tendency in my playing, and Shelly's recommendation to at times practice just letting go while we play has been super helpful for me. It feels like it has really supported deconditioning my extremely critical internal dialogue. I also noticed I often tend to play better when I just let go, and playing also just feels a lot lighter and more fun. If you'd like to learn more about Shelly, you can check out the show notes at www.holisticmusicianship.com slash podcast. And if you'd like to be notified about future episodes of the show, please subscribe wherever you like to listen. Thanks so much for listening today. May your musical endeavors continue to grow ever more beautiful. And I'll see you next time on the Holistic Musicianship Podcast.